joy. And it's with joy this morning that we get to celebrate the fact that uh, young, young Master Theo is with us this morning uh, and that James and Dominica and Jimmy are able to be with us this morning. And so we, uh, we are able to rejoice with them. And uh, so it is good that, uh, that we're able to gather together and uh, celebrate God's grace. And it's to that point that I want to draw your attention to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, rejoicing and celebration, uh, feasting, uh, this idea of feasting together. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. So for the next couple of weeks, um, probably for the next at least three, um, we will be contemplating the Lord's Supper. We'll be contemplating the Lord's Supper. We'll be looking at the Lord's Supper. This is, of course, one of the last marks uh, of, uh, of a healthy church, uh, of the, the, uh, the celebration of the Lord's table and feasting from the table that God has set before us uh, um, when we partake together as his people. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and uh, we are going to look at... Uh, um, it actually begins in verse 17, but we're going to actually pick it up in verse 23. So uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we'll pick it up in verse 23, and we'll read through the, through the, through the end of the chapter. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, um, beginning in verse 23, going through verse 32. And let me say this, if you're physically able to do so, let me invite you to stand with me as we honor the reading of God's holy and written word. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, Verses 23 through 34. This is the word of the Lord given to us this morning. For I have received the Lord, that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup which he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. Wherefore, therefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eats and drinks unworthily eats and drinks damnation to himself not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, again, therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry or wait one for another. And if any man hungers, let him eat at home that you come not together to condemnation or judgment, and the rest will I set in order when I come. Let's pray. Father, as we take up this reality that is before us, the the beauty and the understanding of uh, our ordinances, the, 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 um, the beautiful truths that are set before us as the church of Jesus Christ, of Uh, baptism in the Lord's Supper. We now look at this idea of the Lord's Supper, and we would pray that you would help us to have a good and right understanding of the Supper as we spend the next couple of weeks contemplating this, thinking through the Supper. May you bless our our time in your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. 
one of the consequences of sin is that we can quickly forget things. I don't, I don't know about you, but, but I'm certainly one that, that is not good remembering things. And so I have, um, I have two things. The first is my calendar in my phone. And the second is my calendar named Diane. Um, and so we have two things. Uh, I have two things to make sure that I remember things, right? Because we can forget things. And so my wife and the calendar on my phone typically helps me to remember things. But the reality, the reality is that we can oftentimes be a forgetful people. Uh, no matter what our age, no matter, no matter how old or how young, I mean, our memories, just, just, they just fail us. I mean, you know, forgetting things isn't necessarily just uh, for the age. It's something that all of us are, are guilty of from time to time. We all struggle with forget, forgetfulness. And unfortunately, one of the places that our, that our struggle seems to be the most um, clear in is the reality of the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table, um, we struggle, and, and it's the most vital of all the areas in which we need to we need to learn. Um, you know, God has God has spent much time throughout the Bible telling us how and why and what we should be doing as God's people when we approach the table. Um, and we need to remember. We are called to remember. Now, it's certainly more than just remember, and we'll talk about here in the next couple of weeks, that the Lord's Supper is more than just a supper of remembrance. Um, it, is, it is more than that. But um, we are called to remember God's grace, God's favor, God's mercy given to us and bestowed to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. We are called to celebrate this. We're called to remember this. We are called to, to even, the Lord's Supper is even a, 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 a rehearsal dinner, if you will, for the day in which we feast with Jesus Christ himself. And so we remember this and we celebrate this. And so this morning, I want to spend some time, as I said, I think there's going to be at least three weeks where, in order for us to touch on all the things that I want us to touch on for us to do that. So this morning, I just want to grab hold of this text, and I want us to see three truths that I think will, um, I think will help us put, the, put it before us, and then the next two weeks, we'll really start looking at putting all the, the things together uh, um, and, and the application of these truths. So first and foremost, let's look at the institution of the Lord's Supper. That's found in verses 23 through 25, isn't it? If y'all know anything about the Lord's Supper, if y'all know anything about the church at Corinth, you'll know that it was a church that was deeply troubled. You'll know that this church was a deeply troubled congregation. They were, they were, um, um, they were a deeply divided congregation. They were a deeply carnal congregation. They were a congregation that was celebrating and rejoicing in all sorts of wickedness. And one of, the, one of the areas in which they were facing lots of trouble is that of the Lord's Supper, which is why Paul, right, which is why Paul is writing to them, instructing them, teaching them properly, uh, how to properly both approach and to think about the table that they celebrate. It is interesting, and we'll talk more about this later, but it is interesting that as you take a look at the book of Acts, chapter 2, when were they celebrating the Lord's Supper? Well, according to Acts chapter 2, the church celebrated the Lord's Supper every time they met. Every time they met for, um, for weekly worship, they were celebrating. They were eating together. They were celebrating together the Lord's, from the Lord's table. Um, I know typically it's been our practice here to do it uh, every fifth Sunday. 
Um, but at the, as we look at the early church and the early church's uh, um, um, example for us, we see that they were doing it very regularly. Every week they were celebrating together. But as we look at the institution of the Lord's Supper, we see a couple different realities for us. And, and, and truthfully, as a, a growing up in a Baptist church, I never quite f- or fully understood. I'm not saying I fully understand now, but I don't know that I ever fully understood the, the, the seriousness of the Lord's table, right? Like the churches I grew up in, we did it quarterly. It was something that was always just done. And sure, there was a sermon on it. Uh, and yes, you were only to partake if you were baptized in a Christian. But, you know, uh, but, but beyond that, there was very little understanding of exactly what the table really was other than just simply uh, we're remembering Jesus died for us. And as we'll see, this is so much more than that. So much more than just us remembering Jesus died for us and rose again on the third day for us. And so Jesus tells us, or Paul tells the church at Corinth here, he says first, first and foremost, you need to understand that what you're doing has been divinely instituted by God. Like this is something that you don't get to just do sort of willy-nilly as you sort of walk around life just like, oh, it's a great idea. Let's do, let's, let's have the Lord's Supper this week. And it doesn't matter how we approach Because what we understand is that the Lord's Supper was what? It was the fulfillment of Passover, right? So we remember in Exodus chapter 12, 1 through 30, we have the story of the Passover. We have the story of how God God told the nation of Israel to paint over their doorposts with, with the blood of a lamb. And he told them exactly how to do it. He told them what to do and how to do it. And he told them down to the very specifics of, of how they were to eat the lamb and everything else. And we know that because of the Egyptians' sinfulness and their wickedness and the refusal to let the children of Israel go, they were, prom- they, they were told judgment was coming. They did not listen. And as a result, all the firstborn of all those who didn't listen died. And that's why it's called Passover, because, because when the Spirit saw uh, the, pa- the, the blood, it passed over the children of Israel. And we see that the divine fulfillment of Passover is fulfilled ultimately in Christ. Jesus celebrated the Passover and then went on to fulfill it. So why we don't celebrate Passover. We don't need to. Jesus has fulfilled Passover. There's no need for you and I to, to I mean, it's, it's neat maybe if, you, if you've ever seen a Passover um, supper or Passover uh, uh, happen. I mean, sure, it's neat. But, but in reality, we don't need that. We don't need it. We don't need to celebrate the, that. Why? Because Jesus has fulfilled it. And he gave us, he gave us the cup and the bread of the New Testament, the New Covenant. And so the Lord Jesus himself fulfilled the reality of Passover and the promise ultimately of Passover pointed us and and the Old Testament Israel to King Jesus. And this is what Paul says when he says, For I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you. And Paul is very insistent. He's He's telling the church, look, I didn't make this up. I didn't tell you how to do this just because... I chose to do this. This isn't something coming from me. I have shown you as God revealed it to me by his Holy Spirit. He has revealed this to me and we have it preserved for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 so that it is continued to be, uh, uh, it's continued to be set before us that we can understand that what we do when we celebrate the table of the Lord together, that this is, this is not something that we just do out of the sake of doing it, but it's something that we do because God himself has instructed us to do it. And it is, it was given to us as an act, right? 
as, a, as, a, as an ordinance, uh, as an ordinance to the church. This was something that we are to do. This is binding upon us as the church of Jesus Christ. We are bound to do this. And this is why we are told to take, eat, right? This is why Paul told the church here and Jesus himself in, in the institution of the, of the Lord's Supper told his disciples to take and eat and drink the, the cup and the, the bread and they were to they were to do this. And Paul goes on and he says here in verse 23, <clears throat> um, he says, For I received the Lord that which I also delivered, that the Lord Jesus, the same night which he was betrayed, took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. So yes, it is a, it is a way for us to remember, right? Because he says, Do this in remembrance of me, right? This is a consuming in a figurative way, right? Um, this is something that 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 resembles or reminds us of of the the body of Christ that was broken, and and I know that a lot of people struggle with well you know why why don't uh, you know why why are some people so adamant about um, about idol uh, or about um, images of Jesus and and things like that? Well, it's because <clears throat> out of everything that God could have said and done for us, God gave us the gospel represented in two ordinances, right? In two, in two ordinances. He gave us everything we needed to visualize the gospel in baptism and the Lord's Supper. He gave that to us, and he said, look, if you will need a picture, here is the picture that you need. It's not, it's not a picture of Jesus. It's not a, a picture of, of God. It's not a picture of the Holy Spirit. It's, 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 the, it's the picture of the gospel. So that every time someone is baptized who has confessed faith in Christ, we're reminded of what God has done for us in Christ and what God has, God has ultimately done in the life of this new believer and creating a new, making new life uh, where there was nothing but death prior. And so now also in the symbols of the table, we are now reminded of God's grace to us. Um, we are reminded that it is, it is God's mercy given to us through the Lord Jesus Christ I think it's interesting that uh, J.I. Packer um, was, a, was a prominent uh, author, said the Lord's Supper is an act of worship taking the form of a, of a meal in which Christ's servants share bread and wine in memory of their crucified Lord and in celebration of the new covenant relationship with God through Christ's death. And that is exactly what we do every time we partake of the table of the Lord. And this is, a, this is something that we are told to do because Jesus doesn't make any 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 uh it doesn't leave any question marks here when he says take eat or drink he's telling this as a command for his people he's telling us that every time we do this every time we are eating every time we are drinking this is this is the cup of the new testament this is the body of christ that was broken for us um, so that so that we can rejoice and we can honor christ in our partaking of this but it's not just to be done in remembrance, as I said, but as we'll see in just a moment, it's also the gospel being proclaimed. And, and Paul tells us here that as we partake of the, of the supper in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, there's something even greater here. The reason we can do this is not just because God has commanded it, right? But also because God has made it possible for us to do this through his shed blood and through his body being broken for us, which he ultimately raised again on the third day and which he stands victorious over all things. And he is Lord of all now, not later, but now. And even though it may appear and things may seem to be not under his 
uh, sovereignty and control. That's not the case at all. He is the Lord. He is the Lord now. He is ruling and reigning now. And it is being revealed more and more so as every day goes by that he is the Lord and of lords and king of kings. And so the Lord's Supper was, was instituted so that we might rejoice in Christ. That we might rejoice in Christ. That we can see his work. We can remember his work on our behalf. We can rejoice in this. And, and let me say this. No one, no one in our lives should affect us more than the, than the Lord Jesus Christ the Savior of our souls, the one who, is, who has transformed us, who, who reached down into the muck and the mire, and he pulled us out and rescued us by his grace and for his glory. God did this for his name. And every time we eat together, every time we drink of the cup and eat of the bread together, we are, we are rejoicing in Christ's work and Christ's, not just his finished work, but his ongoing work of a mediator as we celebrate together with Christ at the table of the Lord. So not only do we notice that the Lord himself was the one who gave the command for the supper to go on, but he also tells us here that, that it, is a, it is a supper that's not just simply a memorial, right? I know that's the, a very popular view among Baptists, but that's not the case as we see this here because it's also, it's also a proclamation supper. And you say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, look with me here in verse 26. It says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show or you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Notice that? It's not just a memorial, but it's also a proclamation of the gospel every time we, we gather together and we feast from the table together and as we eat and as we drink and as we celebrate and as we sing and as we rejoice, it is a, it is a, it is a table from which we proclaim and remind one another of the gospel, but even those that are, that are not able to partake, we are proclaiming to them the gospel of Jesus Christ every single time we eat and drink from the table of the Lord. This Lord's Supper is a meal that is spiritually shared with Christ. But I think so often we think, you know, like so much of maybe what we do here. We, we think, and, and not just here, but I mean church just in general, churches just in general. So often I think what we think is going on really isn't going on. Like there's, real no, there's really perhaps no meaning behind what we're doing, but there's great meaning behind what we're doing. There is eternal meaning behind what we do. There's eternal meaning behind every time we take the bread and every time we drink from the cup and every time we do this, there is great meaning because in doing that, you realize that Jesus Christ is present with us, not in the elements, but with us, his people, and we are celebrating with him his sacrifice. Right? You understand that, right? This is something that doesn't just have no meaning. This has great meaning for us. This is a meal that we share spiritually together with Christ. And in the symbols, we see them being fulfilled in Christ. We celebrate Christ. So I don't want you to misunderstand me. The elements in and of themselves are not transformed in any way, shape, or form. But understand that every time we eat and we drink, we are spiritually feasting with Jesus. The Apostle Peter says, for Christ died. Right? For Christ died. And that is what we need to remember. That Christ died for our sins. That he was resurrected on the third day. That Christ died died for our sins 
Christ died for us. And that when he returns, he will come as the righteous judge. You understand that the meal that we share not only proclaims the gospel and the hope that we have in Christ, but it also declares to those who do not partake condemnation because they must understand that apart from Christ, they have no hope. They have no hope. And when Christ returns, he will come as the righteous judge. He is not returning as the suffering lamb. He is not coming coming as, as a suffering servant. He is coming as the king of kings and lord of lords, the conquering king who comes and conquers in his own name. And he will reward the righteous and punish the wicked. And so there is a real truth here that as we partake of the table, we understand all of the elements and the greatness and the beauty of the table from which we share. And in doing this, there is a very real proclamation because the Lord's Supper dramatizes the Christian faith. It puts it in symbolic form in a very simple way. People are able to see and understand through these simple actions what the Lord Jesus has done to reconcile sinners to himself. And the Lord's Supper is an expression of a persevering faith in Jesus Christ so that only baptized believers should participate, right? So that only those of us who are, who are baptized should participate in this. And by eating and drinking, eating the bread and drinking the cup, we are identifying with Jesus Christ as our Lord. We are saying that when he died, he died for my sins, And that I have personally placed faith in Christ. I have repented and turned to Christ. And that when Christ poured out his blood, it was a sacrificial death that instituted the new covenant of which, because of grace through faith in Christ, as revealed through his word, I am now a member of this covenant. I am now a member of this covenant. And this is why Paul tells the church, he says, look, he says, and this is this is this has always been my 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 consternation, if you will, with the general understanding of what most people think of the Lord's Supper. Look, if this was just a simple meal, why was God killing the Corinthians? Right? If this was just a simple meal, why was God killing them for taking it unworthily? It's because it is a precious reality of the communion that we share with Christ. It's a precious reality of the communion that we share with Christ being expressed in covenant community form. And this is why Paul tells us that we must examine ourselves and judge ourselves. And so in saying this, this is why, this is why certain um, certain at certain times, you'll have, uh, in, uh, you'll have uh, um, churches who read their church covenant together or some that will, that will recite a particular uh, creed or confession and they will recite and say, this is why we're doing this, right? In, in doing this, I, I belong to Jesus Christ, right? And, and, and I, I belong to him and he, he is mine, And I'm continuing in that relationship with Jesus Christ, an unbroken pattern. This is why Paul says we need to examine ourselves. I mean, look, the church at Corinth, 
They would have these giant love feasts, right? And I think you know this, but they would have these giant love feasts. And, and, and the poor people were getting the short end of the stick, right? They didn't have a whole lot to bring, so the rich people were gathering together. They were eating all the food, and they were leaving their poor brothers and sisters behind. And then they were celebrating from the table. Then they were celebrating together, like, yeah, yeah, look at us. And Paul says, no, 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 don't look at you. What you're doing is an abomination. What you're doing is horrific. And this is why you need to judge yourself. And I would say to us, we, we need to take seriously, when we partake of the Lord's table, we need to take seriously the position from which we do that. In Christ, most certainly, but even in Christ, that you and I are walking with Christ. We're not under the discipline of the Lord. We're not under the discipline of a local congregation. We're not under uh, rightful, rightful discipline, right? Because there are some congregations who exercise wrong um, discipline, but rightful uh, discipline. Uh, of the of the Lord we're not we're not walking in outright rebellion and disobedience to the Lord right we're not doing that but we're saying we're walking with Christ we 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 are sinners and when we sin we flee to Christ for mercy we don't we don't look to ourselves but we look to Christ and we flee for his forgiveness and we walk worthy and then in this I would say and I've already brought this up but I want to say this again because Paul introduces this in verses 27 to 32 insofar as Paul talks about the judgment of the Lord's Supper. In 27 through 32, 32, listen to what Paul writes to the church at Corinth. He says, Wherefore, or therefore, whoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eats and drinks unworthily eats and drinks damnation or, or judgment, right, condemnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. That is, they died. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with uh, with the world or alongside the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. So there was all sorts of excesses. They were getting drunk. They were eating. They were feasting. There was all kinds of revelry going on. And the Lord says, you need to judge yourself, Corinthians, first and foremost. You need to judge yourself. You know, the Bible tells us that judgment begins at the house of the Lord. And we as God's people need to judge ourselves rightly. We need to judge ourselves rightly. So what was the reason, though, for this judgment? Well, they were taking the Lord's Supper in a manner that is unworthy. Now, in saying that, what what I don't want to communicate to you is that, um, that, that no one should partake at the table. Right? Because we're all sinners, right? I mean, you know, there, there are people who, who have that mentality. I've ran into them. Oh, you know, I'm a, you know, yes, I'm saved by Jesus, but I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm a sinner, and, and I'm not worthy to partake of the table, uh, so therefore I'm going to abstain. No, 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 that's not what this means. What it means is that you are not walking in unbridled rebellion to Christ, open, unbridled rebellion against Christ. When it talks about eating and drinking wrath or, or judgment on, onto us, ourselves, it is doing so because we are in persistent rebellion against Christ, refusal, refusing to repent. And it is, it, is a, it is a violation of the commandments that says that you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And so if we're walking in open, unrepentant rebellion against God, Right? We're walking in open, unrepentant rebellion. 
Paul is saying, look, this is, you should judge yourself and get it, get it, so then get, it to, get this taken care of so that then you can take of the table of the Lord without fear of judgment. And so the Lord's, the Lord's table is, is, again, because it is a table of, of reminding us of, perse- of our perseverance or Christ's work in per- preserve- preserving us in Christ, we are reminded that God is merciful and gracious to us, even in giving us this warning, because he says, look, deal with your sin. Deal with this, this unbridled, unrepentant sin first, and then you can take. Then you can take. Deal with this first, and then you can partake. Because discipline, discipline is for, the, for those who are contemptuous to the table. Because this is, why G, this is why he says, and that those who take unworthily or you know, in open rebellion against God, they will be held guilty of, of, of bringing the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ upon themselves. And that's a, that's a, pretty, heavy, that's a pretty heavy charge. To, to take the table in an unworthy manner, an open and unbridled rebellion against God, refusing to listen to his counsel, refusing to listen to him at all, refusing and disregarding his word is a serious thing. And I, I know, I know, like today, that's, you know, we, we go around and we're like, well, you know, God doesn't do that anymore. How, are you sure? Like, I mean, are you sure? Now, yes, I mean, I mean, maybe by and large he doesn't, right? But are you sure? And the reality is, is that an unexamined faith is, is a dangerous faith. And this is why Paul says we need to scrutinize ourselves and prove ourselves that we're not walking in open uh, rebellion and, and unbridled rebellion against Christ. Because ultimately, uh, for, the, for the, uh, the Corinthians at least, there was sickness and death because of this. But... As I said, there is great grace that is extended through self-examination, isn't it? Because that's what Paul says. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. That's what he says. If we would look and judge ourselves rightly, we wouldn't be judged. We need to continually make sure that our walk is in alignment with God's word. Right? Because ultimately, we're not going to be condemned with the world. Right? We're not going to be judged by the same judgment of the world. But, you know, as God's people, we need to remember that as we partake of the table, that we do so with honor and integrity in accordance with his word. Right? I had a brother one time ask me, he said, Pastor, I'm struggling with a sin, and I'm trying to deal with this, and I know we're getting ready to take the Lord's Supper, but I'm just struggling to do that. And here's the question I asked him. I asked him, I said, I said, brother, I said, ultimately, that's a, that's, a, that's a decision only you can make. But I said, there is grace. There is grace even in your self-examination. Confession of sin, dealing with your sin, right? That doesn't come from the evil one, right? Dealing with our sin doesn't come from the evil one. The evil one never says to us, hey, uh, you know, you really need to deal with that. No, 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 no. He always says, you're a piece of dirt, you're a piece of garbage. You can't do this. To which we can respond, you're right. I am not in and of myself worthy to do this. But I am in Christ, and I am repentant, and I am seeking to honor Christ. And Christ is the one who makes me worthy. And so, brothers and sisters, let me say this. That, that, that though, we don't, though we don't partake of the table today, 
Um, we need to seriously contemplate this correctly. We need to think about these things correctly. We need to think about these things in a way that honors Christ, right? In, in a way that, that, isn't, that isn't taking God's name in vain, that in a way that honors, the, uh, that honors our relationship to Christ. And let me say this, in a way that honors one another in our taking it. You say, well, what, what do you mean by that? Well, you understand that when we partake together corporately, it is, it, is, it, is a, it, is a, it is mutual encouragement that we continue to walk together in Christ, that we continue to honor Christ, that we continue to hold one another accountable. And this is why it is such a serious thing, although I know, I know a lot of people don't think it's serious, but when, when, when a church has to discipline someone and communion or the Lord's Supper is withheld from that person, some people are like, oh, it's no big deal. That's a big deal. That's a very big deal. Because they are what is being said is you are now outside of what you profess. You are now outside of what you say that you believe. And as the church, listen, you'd say, well, some people would say, well, we don't have that authority. We do according to Matthew. We do according to Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. He says that <clears throat> where two or three are gathered together, there in my name, there I'm in the midst of them. And he talks about that when we lose something, we, it will be loosed in heaven. And if it's loosed, if it's loosed in heaven, it will be loosed on earth. And if it's loosed on earth, it will be loosed in heaven. And so we as God's people have the, have the right to judge ourselves. Right? We have the right to judge ourselves. We should judge ourselves. Matter of fact, I would say that if we would judge ourselves more thoroughly, we would be probably better off. We would probably be far better off than allowing the world to judge us at times. And this is this is this is what this has always been one of my favorite quotes ever, ever since I heard it. Vance Havner, one of the great Baptist missionaries, he said this. He said, "If God dealt with people today as He did in the days of Ananias and Sapphira, every church would need a morgue in her basement." This is true. And so my point isn't to scare you. My point is to say. That what we do here is so much more than at times what I think we even think about. It's what we even think about. Again, not to scare you, not to, not to, not to make you start trembling and be fearful, but, but help you understand that, brothers and sisters, what we do here in the, in the Lord's table and in, the, in baptism and in everything else that we do, in the preaching of the gospel, in the, in, the, in the evangelism and everything else we do, it has greater eternal repercussions and ramifications. Proverbs 3, 11 through 12 says this, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. And ultimately, this is why Paul delivers to the church at Corinth what he does. It wasn't to beat up on him. It wasn't to say, you, you dirty, filthy sinners. It was, it was an encouragement to remind them of the Lord's discipline and his reproof. And the reason he does this is because he, he delights in them and wants them to walk in his holiness and in his righteousness and in his faith, walking and persevering in truth and in loving Christ. The Lord's Supper is a sacred, sacred thing. It is a sacred, sacred time for the church. It's a time in which we not only reflect on what the Lord has done for us, Right? But it's also a time in which we proclaim the gospel, we encourage one another, we, we extend love for one another, we exercise that love even at times of, of for those who continue to walk in complete disobedience to the word and the gospel, we even refuse to serve them because of their waywardness, because we love them. This is a time of grace and a time of love, a time of mercy, a time of rejoicing, a time of celebrating. 
It is a sacred time. It is a, it is a blessed time. But it is a time in which we rejoice together. Because I would say this to us, Christian, when we feast with Jesus face to face in that day, I guarantee you we're not going to be feasting with solemnness. I mean, solemnness in the sense of, of, of respectfulness, yes. But I guarantee you we're not going to be up there frowning like, well, ain't this just the best get-together we've ever had in the world? We're going to be rejoicing. We're going to be singing. We're going to be falling down at the feet of Christ, worshiping Him because of His work. Right? This isn't going to be a Baptist barbecue. This is going to be a time of great rejoicing, a time of great honoring of Christ. And this is, why I, this is why I would argue that, 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 that this, this, this needs to be part of something regularly that we do. And, and over the next two weeks, I'll lay out reasonings for that, right? Um, I'll lay out the reasonings for, 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 more, for a more often, uh, a much more often um, observation of the Lord's Supper because of, because of what it is. But I just wanted to lay the groundwork for us this morning to think about the sacredness and the solemnness of the Lord's table and the Lord's Supper. And that way that we can now begin to put the, the nuts and bolts together and look how, it's going, how it applies and how God calls us from his word to apply these practically to our lives. So let me say this to you. Let me close by simply saying, by offering two points of application. Christian one, look to Jesus. See all that he has done. And be worshipful, repentant, worshipful. Dwell in his grace, dwell in his mercy, but flee to Christ. And to those who are here who may not know Christ, let me say the same thing to you. Look to Jesus, who is the one who died for your sins, who rose again on the third day, who came and lived a perfect life, died the sinner's death, and rose again on the third day to proclaim victory over death, hell, and the grave. Meet him as your advocate, not as your judge. Let's pray. Father, in Christ's name, we ask for your mercy as we have contemplated these things. Help us to look at the seriousness of, of, of the table that is set before us um, on, on when we celebrate the Lord's table together. Our prayer is that you would help us to think solemnly and clearly about these things. Help us to think more soberly than perhaps we have ever done in our lives in, when it comes to partaking of the table and of the bread and of the, of, the, of the juice or the wine that we partake of. May you be glorified in this and in this time. We pray that you would give us wisdom, you'd give us grace, you would provide us with your, spirits, your spirit to work and move in us to give us understanding in all these things we pray in Jesus' name.